0: We're slowly making our way through the whole New Testament and um so yeah we're, we're getting there so uh 1st Timothy uh, this is what you call a pastoral epistle or a pastoral letter um Timothy is uh it, well this it was actually written this is one of Paul's later letters it's 1st Timothy 2nd Timothy Titus or among his later letters it, it was written about 62 AD to 64 AD somewhere in there um but uh in comparison, Galatians, which would be like his earliest letter, would be forty-eight uh, AD. So, quite a bit of time has passed, and so I think that's important to understand because you you can look at it and realize, man, this Paul has this is how Paul has grown, and uh, one of the things you see is his understanding of. Um, just how much of a sinner he is. Like The further he, closer he gets to the Lord, the more he realizes how much he needs the Lord. And so that's interesting. Uh, but Paul is sending this letter to Timothy. Uh, he met Timothy in Lystra. Lystra is like the outer region of Galatia uh, on his first missionary journey. You could see that in Acts 14. If you don't know, Acts covers all the missionary journeys. You know, you could see everywhere that Paul goes. So he was at Lystra... Um, Some believe Paul actually might have stayed at Timothy's house, uh, especially because we'll see Paul talks about Timothy's mother. um, His mother's name was um, uh, Eunice and then his grandmother, Lois. And he speaks super highly of them. Timothy was half Jewish. His mom was Jewish and his dad was Greek. So he was kind of mixed. Paul even had him. Uh, to have a better ministry towards the Jews, uh, be circumcised. So you know he's down if he's willing to do that um, as an adult. So uh, yeah, if Timothy was like a son to Paul. You, it's like you can't hear Paul say Timothy's name without like this like smile. Seemingly, he loves Timothy, loves him a lot. He's like a son to him. Um, many believe Paul might have actually led Timothy to the Lord, even though he was raised by his godly mother and grandmother uh Paul might have been the one that uh that actually led him to the Lord which is sometimes how that goes right you like raise your kids and then somebody else comes in out of nowhere and they're the ones uh yeah which is cool God uses a bunch of different people for that um but Paul trusted him he sent him often you see it in in a lot of the epistles he'll send Timothy like as an extension of himself Like, I can't go, so I sent Timothy, and whatever Timothy says kind of goes. He's got it, you know? So Paul really, really trusted him, and he kind of saved his hardest assignments for him. Uh, So where is Timothy at where he's ministering here? This is in Ephesus. Uh, So if you want to know the story of Ephesus, you got to go back to Acts chapter 19, but... uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a church that was forged by the power of the Holy Spirit. They first get there and they're like, hey, uh, so like, do you guys know about the Holy Spirit? We have not even heard about the Holy Spirit. And then, uh, so Paul explains it to them. They get baptized in the Holy Spirit. All these signs and weird, like unusual miracles start happening. Other people want to get in on it. The, the Jewish itinerant exorcists are like, hey, maybe we can do this. So they say in the name of Paul or in the name of Jesus and, and uh, even when the demon says to him. Uh, Paul, I know, and Jesus, I know, but who are you? And they get trashed, right? And so, um, it's, it was a highly uh, active spiritual s- spot. Like there was a lot going on, um, and and even through that happening with the exorcists, uh, many came and threw their magic down, and and they 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 like left their old life behind. God used it, right? Um, but it all kind of came to a head for Paul in Ephesus. When there was this guy, Demetrius, who was a silversmith. This is all background. Uh, And and he was a silversmith that made idols for their local god or goddess, Diana. And he was furious because his business was in decline because no one was buying idols anymore. Because the, the, the work of the ministry was so effective and, and God was doing so much that they, the, all of a sudden he wasn't selling it anymore. So he started riling up the crowd. The The Roman government kind of said, you better chill out. We're going to end up having a big old problem on our hands. And uh, so Paul eventually leaves. He, he uh, encourages the leaders as he goes. And uh, then he departs. So since then... Some weird doctrines have been taught and brought up by ungodly men, and it's sparked confusion. Um, So Paul is writing this letter to encourage Timothy to stand up in the midst of of lies, of of falsehoods, and to to speak the truth, to preach the word, and to uh, help them reestablish them in their doctrine and in their practice. Uh, th- what's really interesting is it's like not just for Timothy, but this is the way Paul sees the church working. So we can really get a lot out of this. Um, and, and by the way, the issues from then, I mean, it is like a mirror image of the issues now in so many ways. There's nothing new under the sun. So this is a look at the church's mission. Um, we also will see Timothy like kind of wanted to bail a couple times. Uh, and Paul encourages him just keep going man don't lose heart don't you know and i don't know of a pastor that hasn't wanted to bail a few times <laughs> like i am done with this can i go become an accountant or something uh which no i don't know you might say do you know how hard it is to be an accountant no <laughs> cuz then maybe i'd want to bail and say I, can i just be a pastor or something um anyway so there you go uh well let's pray Or actually, let's read together, and then we'll pray. We're going to read through the first seven verses. That's all we're going to do today. Um, If you guys would stand, let's read the scripture together. You don't have to, though, but now that I've already told you to. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. To Timothy, a true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from a sincere faith, from which some, having strayed, have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this time this morning. We pray that you would bless this time and uh, that you'd speak to us by your spirit. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you want to show us, God. We pray that we would just be receptive and, and Lord, that our hearts would be softened. Lord. So, God, we pray you go before us and, um, Lord, that our church would be like, just like this, we'd be on mission, we'd be where you want us to be, you know, that we would be uh, heeding what you want us to learn and know and, and how you want us to to play that out in, in practical application. So, God, we pray that you go before us and, and uh, yeah, do the work, Lord, by your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys may be seated. So the title of this message is Grounded. In the truth. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God, our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. Uh, Paul starts, of course, with his accreditation of, of who he is and why he is that way. So Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. It's very clear that Paul was sent by Jesus, right? If you recall, his transformation, his, his salvation was dramatic, Right, I mean, where God, God just full on just plucks him out of his old life and brings him into a new life, and and if you've been around here for any period of time, you'll know that I believe that his heart was softened by Stephen. I believe that that Paul's heart was was softened more than he wanted to let on uh, by what he had seen and the way Stephen's face shone like an angel and how forgiving he was, even as they were he was overseeing the death of him. So I, you know, anyway, there was some background there, but. There's no doubt about it, he was called out, right? As he's on the road to Damascus, he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You know, you sure love kicking against the goads, don't you, Paul? And and so he, he's basically like, hey, now you're going to come, you're going to follow me, you're going to serve me, and he's like, let's go, I'm charging it. And so Paul had a very dramatic transformation um, from killing Christians, persecuting Christians, to being... Uh, probably the foremost well-known apostle. Um, And that's just so God. That's just the way he works, right? He loves to take the things that you'd say, oh, that guy will never turn. There's just no way. Or, oh, you've gone way too far. Or your life is way too much of a mess. It's like that is where he does his greatest masterpiece. And so we have Paul who who did change, and he says, You know, but I labored. It's important to understand. He also said, I labored more than the rest. Not I, but the grace of God that was in me. But I put in effort. And I chose, once I was following him, there's no turning back. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. You have to say it twice. So Paul, an apostle. So an apostle would be like a sent one. One who is sent by who by Jesus uh, an apostle also ha- it, it's like an ambassador, right so you think about an ambassador uh, coming to uh, represent his kingdom to another land I, I really like that that kind of like picture, right Paul is coming with the kingdom of God with with the whole new way of living uh upside down kind of like um I, uh, you know, power structure that you see in the world. And he's coming to represent the king, Jesus, to the world. So he's the sent one and apostle of Jesus by the commandment of God, our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. This is a reminder. He did not come up with this on his own. God did this. And so I want to encourage you real quick before we get into anything else. If, when, if God has called you, miraculously called you, which if you've been called or you've been changed and transformed, it is a miraculous calling. And no matter what you, you, know, you did, I, you know, it doesn't matter. It's not like you have to get into a, a testimony off. We would actually have those sometimes. Uh, my school, my college was called Valley Junior College, San Bernardino Valley Junior College, and it was in um, San Bernardino, really rough neighborhood. And uh, right down the street was a Victory Outreach you guys ever been to a Victory Outreach? So you guys know what I'm talking about. And every, So they'd have testimonies, and sometimes the testimonies would turn into a bragging session. You know, I love the work they did there, but sometimes it would be like, well, oh, he killed that, that many, I killed this many. And you're like, uh-oh, like what are we doing? <laughs> but it was like turning into who could have been the worst that had gotten saved. And so it's not like that. It's, that's not the goal. You know? Yeah, I've even heard kids say, well, I better build up a testimony, so I better live wild now. So I have a testimony for later. You're like, oh no, 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 missed the point. The idea is anyone being saved, it, any but it's still a miracle, because no, if you don't actually do something, you know what's in your heart, you know what's going on inside of you, and uh, that's an important thing to understand and, and recognize. So it, it saved by God. God did this. So if you've been redeemed, if you've understood the message and you've heeded the calling of God, if that means that God has called you. He has done this, so He has a purpose, and we know He's the author and the finisher of our faith. We know that He—it's—it's uh, it, it's all on Him for us to will and to do. He's—he's he's got this. He cares. So I guess be reassured in that. Like, oh, I don't know if I really matter. You mattered enough to Him, right? To be called, to be set apart, to run, to uh, be—you know—brought from old to new, new life in Christ. So who does he say? To Timothy, sending it to Timothy, a true son in the faith. Again, Paul loved Timothy, loved Timothy. Um, and so he calls him a true son in the faith. What's cool is knowing that this is like kind of nearing the end of Paul's life. It's being a later epistle, a later letter. letter he is, he's really focusing on raising up the next generation. You know, I, th- I think that's something we got to understand. It's like, there are seasons for everything. And if you're alive, you're living on this, there's a season that you're in that God has plans for in that season. Um, you know, I personally, I got saved when I was 18. and I, And I think it really stuck when I was about 21 <laughs> or 20. I, you know, I kind of had to, you know, whatever. I kind of got it. Fully more later after a few mistakes here and there. Um, But being young and not married and without really much attachments, it's like you were, oh, you could do anything. We're at the church like every night, you know? And so there's like, that's a season, uh, you know? But then you, you get, you know, you have kids, you get married, I have kids, all that. It's a different season. Every season, so then you, you know, as you get older, you go, okay, well, I'm getting older, I don't know, does this really matter? No, every season is so important. And Paul sees this season as a discipling season. He knows that there's some, he can't do this, so he's sending Timothy out to become part of it. And, and I think, especially if you're older in the faith, you're mature in the faith, uh, and you're not discipling or af- actively encouraging and speaking into someone's life, you, should, you probably should. You know, because you got something to give. And there's so many people don't know where they're going. They're looking for advice from anything they could find. Um, but being aware of that, that's important. So, true son of the faith. And then he says this, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Um, usually it's grace and peace. Uh, but when it's a pastoral epistle, he knows the pastors are going to also need mercy. Uh, so he added it in there. Anyway. Uh, As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Um, so it's important to understand what being taught matters. And we know this makes sense, right? There's all kinds of issues in the world on who's being taught what and how it's being taught, right? Because we know everything, there's a fallout from that, right? And we also know, we've stated it so many times, we're all being discipled by something and someone, right? And so whatever we're giving our ear to, whatever we're spending all this time listening to, that's what we're being discipled by. And so uh, it's, it, it's usually not the church <laughs> as a whole, right? We're, we're, we're listening to so much more, or the Lord specifically, right? And, but that matters. Because you can absolutely count on your decisions following your discipleship. You know, it's, it's interesting because you'll see people make decisions and you're like, why would you make that decision? And then you look and you go, well, that's how they were discipled. So that is all that's in their mind. So that's a logical decision from that position. But it's not Right? right? And so it's all a discipleship issue. Your decisions will follow the discipleship you've been under. So whatever you're listening to, it will affect the way you think. I know when I'm in the word and when I'm listening to like podcasts, and to, it's like I have this overflow of things in my brain that just come out. Why? Because you've been spending time. It's what you've been like resting on and, and listening to and caring about. You know? Just like, you know, as a young man, I was, knew all the baseball stats. I knew every single line. I knew everyone on every team. And so conversations about baseball somehow came up. Right? Or it's, uh, you know, I, mountain biking. I really love mount, mountain biking. I still do, but I haven't been able to do as much. Thanks, seminary. Thanks, master's degree program. Um, but it, there's something about it, and and it's funny. A lot of times you get somebody else into it, and they become like a disciple of mountain biking, and they're like um, evangelic, evangelistic about it. You don't even know how good it is, man. It's so good. It's so good for you. It's amazing. This is what you got to do, and you're like, you're be- better at at evangelizing people towards riding a bike than the good news of Jesus. And it's because it's what you're discipled by. So your decisions will absolutely follow the discipleship that you're under. So be careful, little ears, what you hear. And we really see this in every avenue and aspect of our life. And so we have to take a step back and like really, really think, this is a, like a problem. It's, thinking is, especially in our microwave brain culture, thinking is, is difficult. Like thinking is, why would I think when I could look up a YouTube video about it? But like literally to sit back and think, what am I really believing? Where am I really going? And how does that line up with scripture? What, where does this line up? with God's mission, with the scriptural mission. uh, And how much have I taken from culture? We've got to do that because we're all so much more deceived than we think. There's so much more that you don't see, that I don't see, that when I see it up against scripture, you go, whoa, that's not how I think about that. Whoa, that parable kind of feels like it's about me. And of course, the sooner we can understand this, the better, right? The sooner we get this, the better uh so Timothy was to like confront these false teachers because their influence matters, right, and so obviously, you're not going to be able to shut down every influence out there because it's so many so many times I've seen what my biggest thing is like when I see people talking like. Uh, on behalf of Christians, and you're like, that's not what that means at all. It drives me crazy. Well, what are you going to do? Shut down every single person who says something? No. It's, to, it's, it's for all of us to be able to pull ourselves out of this and go, well, wait, I just need to not listen to this. The world will always have noise. There will always be false teachers. There will always be bad ideology. There will always be bad theology. There will always be bad doctrine. Always. But you got to ask yourself, am I allowing myself to sit under this and let it affect me? Because it just happens. So easy for it to happen. And it seems so logical. But, but then others might look at it and go, wait, why are you making that decision? That's not biblical. That, that makes sense with your thinking that comes from not biblical standards, pseudo-biblical standards, uh, tied in with a whole bunch of other things. But we have to sit back and go ah, confront, so confront the false teachers in our own life and the influence that we have. So he wants Timothy to do that. So he says to him, right, um, charge them that they teach no other doctrine. Doctrine matters. Doctrine is truth, right? Understanding what we believe, why we believe it, is really, really, really important. And we use the example before. You know, I love my wife. She's a five foot eleven, you know, redhead. Um, who, you know, plays the guitar. That's not my wife. She's 5'3". Sometimes she says 5'4", but she's not. And she's either got brown hair or blonde. Who knows at the time, right? And she's really funny and really creative and really pretty. Anyway. um, Those brownie points. And I mean it with all my heart. Uh, But the idea is, is if you don't understand your doctrine or your theology then you don't know what you're talking about. You, you can love an idea about something, but it's the wrong idea. So it's like, oh, I just want a God of love that doesn't do any of the other stuff that's in the Bible. Well, you don't understand God, and you don't understand love. So, so it, it, it really, 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 really matters what we believe. And, and actually, this is one of the things I'm, I feel really passionate about, and it's something I really want to drive towards as a church is, is helping to equip our church to really know what we believe because as deceptive as it, as it is now, it could get much more deceptive. We don't have to freak out about that. We just need to, to be grounded in the reality of who Jesus is because guess what? He wins like and it's a lands remember it's a landslide victory. When he shows up, he speaks, that's it, you know it's done. So he wins. We just got to remember that. And continue to look to him and know who we are, whose we are, where we belong. Okay. Now, the purpose of the commandment is love. Oh, wait, no, I missed the other one. Nor give heed, verse 4. Nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Um, Fables, these were often attached uh, to, like, origin stories. Like, they try and make it more dramatic, like, um, you know, you see that mountain over there? That was the two gods who got into a fight and one of them made the giant rock ball and threw it at him, and it became the mountain. You know, stuff like that, right? That was like common, especially back then. They were looking f- to make things a little bit more extravagant than they were. Um, we can understand that because the fish we caught was this big, right? It's like, that all got ruined when everybody got cell phones. Now we can actually see how big the fish is, like, one of the worst things ever happened when we were fishing is getting a scale. Man, that fish is probably at five pounds. It's like not a pound, you know. <laughs> it looks so big, and it fought so hard, and it's not even legal. I can't even keep it. See an 11-inch, you know, 0.75-pound rainbow trout. So uh, it, 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 it's easy for us. It's easy to do that. So there's that. And then there's the endless gene- genealogies. And this is majoring on minor odd things. This is something we love to do. And, and we'll see kind of why. Uh, the idea is, is to cause disputes. It's a bit of an elite thing, right? People love to be so elite about the stupidest stuff, right? You know, it, it's, so fun- it's funny when it's not your thing and you hear someone being elite about it. Like, oh, okay, that seems important, you know? Like, we were, we were hanging out one time, and, and they were, like, saying, uh, like, there were some guys talking about field notes. You guys know what field notes are? It's like, these little pieces of paper you write stuff in. And he's like, oh, look, he's got field notes like you. He's like, no, those aren't the good ones. And I'm like, those aren't the good pieces of paper that you put in your pocket that looks exactly the same? I don't know. I said, it's so funny how we become elite about, like, nothing. Like, you know, didn't mean to offend you. Um, but I can't believe you'd be a cross-country mountain biker when you could be enduro. And, no, I'm just kidding. You know, so that's my thing. But so it, it, it's it, we love that though. We love feeling elite by knowing something you don't know, or oh, I've got a better take on this. And and if you are looking for this in today's day and age, just go on YouTube. Better not don't you know? Especially if you type in like Revelation or something like that. <whistles> There's some stuff out there, you know of people who have seen things and they've done some math equations and, you know, some of it's just like, whoa, the best ones are the ones that you find out or you find were like 20 years ago and they'd predicted it, you know, that year and you're like, "Uh uh-oh, maybe we should have erased this video. Um, But there's just a lot of that kind of stuff. Endless genealogies where they're getting into the stuff that's, you know, it's minoring on the unclear things while neglecting the clear things. And a lot of this was tied in with the the Gnostics. Um, The Gnostics were an interesting group, very elite. They thought very highly of themselves. The Gnostics' main thing was anything that is material is evil. So anything that is material would be evil. So your soul is good, your body is evil. So it makes this really weird thing about uh, the way they view all things in life, like even like marriage and, and, and your own body. And it's like this weird legalistic trip. Of course, we don't believe that. Uh, but, but a lot of the genealogies would be tied with that heavy influence which was going on at that time. And, and honestly, a lot of that is still around, understanding that. So, uh, so he says, don't give heed. And listen to that. Don't give heed, meaning don't give it attention. Don't listen to this to fables and endless genealogies like it's they're they're always learning they're never figuring anything out which cause what disputes rather than godly edification which is in faith so if you're in faith the effect is godly edification what does edification mean building up right it doesn't make sense edification build building right so it's building up. So instead of it being uh, disputes, which cause no help, godly edification, that's found in faith. So don't invest in all the weird stuff. Invest in the real stuff that's, that's going to change things. And you might think, well, why would anybody want to do that? Well, it's all insecurity. <laughs> it's like if you feel like you've got to be elite over somebody else, and we all, we all do to some extent, right? We have to struggle with that. Uh, then you're going to want to find the little niche that makes you a little bit more superior. Oh, it's all God's grace and we're all the same in Christ, except for I know a little bit more about it. I've got a little bit of an angle on this that you don't really understand. You probably couldn't understand it. It's not for minds like yours. This is for the elite. So and, and you got disputes as opposed to what? Edification, building one another up in faith. Paul wants to see faith which leads to godly building up. So much better, right? Now, the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith, okay? The purpose of the commandment is love. What's the point? Love. Uh, I was, I was, reading this book and, and, and uh, is on emotionally healthy discipleship and growing and discipling and, and letting God do the deep work in our hearts because a lot of us have, you know, you, you get saved and your life's changed in, in a sense where you went from dead to life you know you're, you're going to heaven when you die, uh, but there's stuff that goes unaddressed and we kind of like start living a, a life similar to what we were living before, uh, but it's really uncomfortable, so you find yourself living in a sinful situation and you find yourself like uh, doing kind of the same stuff, but it just doesn't feel right because you've like seen the light. So the darkness isn't as fun as it used to be, um, and, and, but you can't really have as much fun in the light either because you haven't really given your whole life. So there's like that whole element, and so God starts doing this, this work in us, and, and I kind of talked about it last week, right, where there's a transformative power, and then there's discipling, we grow, we learn, right? The next step would be serve, we learn how to serve, that's a big part of it, right? So you go and you serve, then the next part is like God starts doing really deep inner stuff, really working on deep inner stuff in your life, where he allows, uh, he He. Wants to to come in and invade? Like, why? What's going on? Let's let's deal with some of the bigger issues. And it's really it's just getting deeper into sin. Like, remember, if if God showed us everything that would have to be cleaned up in your life when you first got saved, we would all be like toast. We would give up. He's so gracious to work on us in layers. You know, think about that for your own kids too, right? Think about if you have kids. Like, just don't throw the kitchen sink at them because you don't want them throwing it at you. Here's, hey, Dad, I, I've got a list of parenting mistakes you've made. And it's a long list. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm, like, going to be so distraught and upset. I'm going to go, oh, my goodness. But just take one thing at a time, all right? This is the thing that just showed up. Let's work through it, grace and love. Anyway, so that's the idea. But the, So you go work deeper, deeper work in you. As you're transformed, that light that's in you where God has removed all the darkness and the sin and all that stuff, and and you're healthy, it starts coming out. And the measure, what I loved about this, this is the point. I love what, what the author said, the measure of maturity is love. So what's interesting is I think a lot of times we think the measure of maturity would be understanding. Understanding is important, but that's like stage two, right? The measure of maturity is love. So when you're looking at yourself and you're feeling high and mighty about your discipling and how great you are, think about how much love am I exhibiting? And I speak for myself, brutal. It's brutal. You just go, oh, I have a lot to go. Well, that's okay. But it's understanding that is the point and the purpose, right? So the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart. Real, true, genuine love from a good conscience and from sincere faith. It's the real thing because it's been transformative in your life. It's now transformative out of your life. So see, our discipleship needs really, we need to really pay attention to to what we're doing and how we're doing it especially as the world changes. I think as the world changes, this kind of believer, with this kind of understanding of who they are, whose they are, and how they ought to live, transformed by love, is an open door to rapid, wild evangelism. So it's so interesting. I've just been like, God, use me. I want to be used you know, where, whatever, you know. I had two conversations with two different people um, this last week. People I, I see and know about, about the Lord. And they both of them grew up in the church. And, and they start opening up about stuff. And I was like, this is wild. I, I have my head down most of the time. Like to these kind of people, I got my, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And it's like, it's amazing. God wants to use people as they're being changed and transformed as love is the motivating factor, as we're growing in what we know because they see all that the world is throwing at us. It's like not meaning much. Like we keep changing our minds about everything and, and everything seems to keep getting worse so they're like, I've got to find something to anchor to. Where is it? And well, if the church has been discipled by the world, they will do the worldly things, and they won't be there when these people need to see it. So that's the problem. We live in a world and in a, in a place where the Christians have got to be active. We actually had a quote on there that was from that. We've got to be in the world, not of the world. But that's our distinctiveness. That's our, how we look different, our distinction. Okay, so commandments of love, pure heart, good conscience, and sincere faith, from which some, having strayed, have turned aside to idle talk, choosing to have conversations instead of seeing real change. This is the talk. It will remain idle. The idea, idle, it's just not doing anything. It does nothing. Idle talk, talking about nothing that's leading nowhere right? And that is not where we want to be. But unfortunately, it's easy to get to that place. You know, you have great ideas and great theories. Till you go through something. Till things change. It's all talk. It's all ideas. And then all of a sudden you see, okay, God wants wants to like have a transformational change in me that will actually affect the way we, we uh, respond and react to the everyday world, everything that's going on around us to make an actual difference. So he says about these people desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. This is, this is a major problem today, right? People speak. And they have platforms, and they ha- seemingly have authority, but they don't know what they're talking about, right? And so many people are like willing to listen to that. We must, again, we must know who we are and what we believe if we're really to see God move in our midst and to, to guard ourselves from falling into all the different traps. Yeah, I think it's it's just... Yeah. That's 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 like such a for me personally like it's such a big deal. Like when you think about it, like did, we're we're stuck. We find ourselves stuck under like man, how do we make an impact? How do we it's by growing and being mature. And this letter is so timely because we need to be grounded. We've got to be grounded and growing and both understanding and experience of God's grace and truth. That We've got to be able to understand. We need to grow in our understanding, and we absolutely need to grow in experience, like real power on in our, in our lives on our behalf. That's, that's what you saw with Jesus, right? What would he do? He would speak in truth powerfully, right, and it would be very clear and, 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 right, what would they say? Oh, Jesus, you know, spoke as one having authority. And the scribes and the Pharisees would be like, I, they, couldn't, they couldn't say anything to him. They were just, they were baffled at talking to him. So he would speak and he would teach and he would blow people's minds and then he would give them an experience to go with it. And I think God wants to do the same thing. Oftentimes, unfortunately, I think a lot of times as churches, we find ourselves going on one side or the other right where we're all about either learning or we're all about experience and i think an overemphasis on either one is is problematic right where you only do one or the other uh because i mean i personally know if i was just basing everything off of experience i'd be in a rough spot because i know friends who have done that and i also know that if i had never had an actual experience and encounter with the radical grace and love of god and presence of god then I'd be a mess (laughs) on the other side because, uh, you know, you could be talked into something, you could be talked out of something. And if God desires to meet us both in our mind and in our hearts, if it's like a whole person thing, then we've got to experience all of it and be willing and open to not just experience it, but then to cultivate that, give that to the world around us and see that. You know, you saw at camp, one of the things while we were there... um, Saturday night, it seems to be always the night where it just, like, goes, you know. It's just, like, God starts moving. And I remember I was praying on Saturday night as we're going into it. I was just praying, like, Lord, I pray you just would break it open. And that, that there would be, like, a, a sense of your presence. That there would be, like, our middle schoolers and our high schoolers would experience you. That they'd sense you're there. they would sense you are there. There would be a real encounter and experience and it was really cool. I think most of them did. I don't know if all of them, maybe, maybe all of them, experienced something like that. Because and, and, you go back and you remember that, and there's something to that. So we call it with both understanding, grow. We got to know what we believe. We got to pay attention to who we're learning and listening to, right? Because that will affect our decisions. And grow in the experience of God's, what, first of all, grace we all experience God's radical grace and understanding of God's radical grace because, you know, that's why we're here. That we would understand and experience God's truth. We would see it to be true, being more convinced every day. I feel like I am more convinced every day that the word is true. I mean, it becomes clearer and clearer and clearer to me. Especially as the world gets weirder and weirder, this looks so much more, it makes more sense. Maybe it's because as we align more with him, it, we, we see it better, but I don't know. So that we would grow in understanding and experience of God's grace, that we would grow in understanding uh, and experience in God's truth, and we'd grow in the understanding, that in, and in that would culminate into love. That we would be deeply transformed Mentally, physically, spiritually. And that now we would be measured by love. That would be our maturity. Everywhere we go, our love would be manifest. And what does our love look like? What does love look like? It looks like Jesus. I mean, you want to know what love looks like? That God sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. This is what love looks like. Right? To sacrifice. To bring life. To bring hope to invade dark spaces with the light, to reach in, to, to uh, put our safety, our security even sometimes, our, our uh, you know, perfect little world on the side so that we can reach in and watch God do something crazy for him. So, yeah, I think first Timothy is going to be fun because um, I think it's going to be really good and, and convicting. And, and re- man, conviction is such a good thing. It really is. It's like, just like pain's a good thing. You want to, f- you need to feel pain, or else you're going to end up doing worse damage. Pain is a teacher. It's a tutor. It shows us, like, man, that is not where you belong, or something is not right, and and it can teach you, man, I need to grow through this. So it can be useful. In the world we're living in now, I, I do look forward to the day where there is no p- more pain, no more suffering, no more sorrow, or anything like that. But in in the world we're living in, um, without it, we. We miss out God is trying to, to show us something, our body, or whatever is trying to teach us and show us something. so let's pray, Lord, thank you so much for your word and and god your uh just the the radical transformational truth um, of the good news of the gospel.